Chapter One of the Pony Rider Boys in Louisiana. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Pony Rider Boys in Louisiana by Frank G. Patchen. Chapter One Southern Hospitality. Professor Zeppelin, I believe. The same, and you are. Major Clowney, sir, at your service, answered the tall, gray-haired, distinguished-looking southerner who had greeted the professor at the railway station in Jackson. Four clean-cut, clear-eyed young men who had left the train with the professor stepped up at that juncture and were introduced to the southerner as Thaddeus Butler, Ned Rector, Stacy Brown, and Walter Perkins, known as the Pony Rider Boys. The Major regarded the young men quizzically, then shook hands with each of them, bowing with true southern courtliness over each hand as it was extended toward him. "'Isn't he the fine old gentleman?' whispered Stacy, otherwise and more familiarly known among his companions as Chunky the Fat Boy. Tad Butler nodded. The Major was a type that they had heard of, but never had known. He was a relic of the Old South. It gives me great pleasure, gentlemen, to welcome you to Jackson. My old friend Colonel Perkins wrote me, asking that I do what I could for you. I'm delighted at the opportunity to serve him as well as these fine young gentlemen. You will wish to go to your hotel. Yes, if you please, bowed the professor. The major apologized for the humble hotel to which he conducted them, explaining that it was the best the little southern town afforded. I shall look for you to dine with myself and family this evening, he added. The professor expressed his appreciation, the boys murmuring their thanks. Tad Butler said he feared they were not in condition to accept home hospitality, to which the major replied that he and his family would feel honored to receive the party, no matter in what condition they might be forced to come. Did the major fight the Germans? questioned Chunky. No! They're all colonels, majors, and captains down here, replied Tad laughingly. It was agreed that the professor and his party were to go out to the major's home about five o'clock that afternoon, meet Major Clowney's family, and have dinner with them, after which a pleasant evening would be spent. You will no doubt wish to rest after your tiresome journey, professor. At quarter to five I shall send one of my servants to lead you to my home. My wife and daughters are impatient to meet you my old friend Colonel Perkins having told us not a little about your young friends. You are very kind, sir, declared Tad. In the meantime, if you'll give us the benefit of your advice, we shall look about us for a guide and some horses, as I've been given to understand that we might procure all of these here in Jackson, said the professor. It is all arranged, sir, all arranged, answered the major. It has been my pleasure to attend to all the details. How many rooms will you require? Having received this information from Professor Zeppelin, Major Clowney bustled about, sternly ordering the colored porters around, giving directions for the fetching of the equipment of the boys from the station, then making a personal inspection of the rooms assigned the professor and the boys, ordering this and that thing changed, until it seemed as if all the forces of the hotel were jumping about at the Major's command. There, sir, I think you'll be as comfortable as this miserable hostelry can make you. "'and now I shall leave you to your rest,' he said. The Major, after once more shaking hands all around, 
bustled out, leaving the boys to themselves. Chunky blinked solemnly. Pinch me, fellows. I don't know whether I'm awake or dreaming, said Stacy. You'll wake up by and by, answered Ned. A splendid gentleman, nodded Tad thoughtfully. We might all profit by Major Clowney's courtliness. Did you ask him what arrangements he'd made for us, Professor? No, he no doubt will explain when we see him this evening. Depend upon it, he has left nothing undone. Except to make the weather cool, answered Stacy. Who but it's hot? Where is our baggage? I want to get into some togs that aren't so hot as these glad clothes. The baggage should be here very soon, answered Walter. The men went after it before we came upstairs. I never saw so many colored folks in my life, declared Chunky. Everything looks black to me now. I wonder if they're all black in this part of the country. This is what's known as the Black Belt of the South, answered Professor Zeppelin. I believe there are four blacks to every white in this section. Further in, we may find the proportion even greater. A regular study in light and shade, observed Rector. You had better keep tight hold of your valuables, advised Ted. These gentlemen are light-fingered, I've heard. They'd better not take any of my stuff, bristled Stacy belligerently. We know what to do to them if they do. Don't cry before you're hurt, advised Ned. Who wants to take a look at the town? I don't care anything about the town. I want to sleep, declared Chunky. That's right. Sleep is good for children, jeered Ned. Is that why you sleep so much, wondered Stacy innocently. Ned, I'll go with you, interjected Tad, by way of changing the conversation. We have plenty of time and need not dress before four o'clock. It's now only half past one. Walter and the professor decided that they would remain in the hotel, so Tad and Ned started out. Before they were out of the house, Stacy had thrown himself on the bed in his room and was sleeping soundly. It was after three o'clock when Butler, returning to the hotel, shook Stacy awake, urging him to hustle his bath and dress. The boys were eagerly looking forward to the evening before them, for it was to be their first visit to a southern home. They were looking forward with a different sort of eagerness to the journey on which they were about to set out, a journey to the nearly trackless, vast canebrakes of Louisiana. It was a wonderful bit of country into which they were headed, but as yet they knew practically nothing of its wildness and its manifold dangers, nor did they give thought to this phase of their summer's outing. For the greater the thrills, the keener the enjoyment of the Pony Rider Boys. Following the return of Tad and Ned, all hands withdrew to their rooms to dress. The other boys finished dressing some time before Stacy made his appearance, strolling dignifiedly into the parlor where his companions were awaiting him. Well, here I am, announced Stacy. The Pony Riders gazed at him in amazement. For goodness sake, where did you get that outfit? demanded Tad, the first to find his voice. How do you like it, fellas? grinned Chunky. Well, if you aren't the dude, giggled Walter. You mean the Duke. I am the Duke of Missouri. What do you think of me? urged Stacy. I'll say you're unspeakable, growled Ned Rector. Stacy Brown's outfit was rather unusual. He was dressed in a white suit, with a collar so high and tight that the blood was forced up into his face, a streak of red showing in the part of the hair of his head, while Chunky's second chin hung over the front of the collar, extending down to the root of his liver-colored tie. 
His appearance was so ludicrous that the boys burst into a peal of laughter. Professor Zeppelin eyed the fat boy with disapproving eyes. "'Where did you get that outfit, young man?' he demanded sternly. "'I bought it in Chillicothe. Think I stole it?' "'Certainly not.' "'What do you think of it?' insisted Stacy. "'Most remarkable,' answered the professor, regarding Chunky with a slow shake of the head. "'Are you going to dinner in that rig?' demanded Ned. "'Of course I am.' "'Then I guess I shall stay home,' decided Rector. "'I don't care whether you stay home or go. "'I will make a great hit with the ladies. "'You see if I don't.' "'Let me give you a piece of timely advice,' said Tad. "'Well, what is it? "'Don't try to shine your shoes on your trousers. "'It shows so on white, you know.' "'Stacy growled. "'Haven't you anything else to put on?' questioned the professor. "'I might put on my pajamas,' answered the fat boy innocently. "'Professor Zeppelin grunted.' I guess we can stand it if he can, Professor. The outfit isn't so bad after all, said Tad. Of course it isn't, agreed Chunky. The trouble with you fellows is that you're jealous. We could stand the white suit all right, but that liver-colored tie is enough to drive a man to do something desperate, Stacy, declared Tad laughingly. Where did you get it? Bought it at the five-and-ten-cent store in Chillicothe. Isn't it a wonder? It is, agreed Tad. One of the wonders of the world, added Ned. It might be a great deal worse, said Walter seriously, whereat a wave of laughter rippled over the little party. I suppose we shall have to put up with it, boys, said the professor reflectively, though I can't understand why you ever thought of such an outfit. Go put on another tie. All right, if you insist, promised the fat boy, rising and stumbling from the parlor. Stacy took plenty of time. They called him twenty minutes later, with the information that Major Clowney's colored man was waiting for them. I'll be there in a minute, answered Stacy. My collar button is two sizes larger than the buttonhole. When the fat boy finally made his appearance, a groan went up from the entire party. From the liver-colored tie, Chunky had changed to one of the brightest red they'd ever seen. Instinctively, the boys held their hands over their eyes. Oh, groaned Ned, this is too much. I agree with you. Take that thing off instantly, commanded the professor. Can't I please you folks at all, wailed the fat boy. You can if you put on a respectable tie, answered Professor Zeppelin. I, I haven't any others. I think I have a tie in my trunk, said Tad. Please get it for him, then, directed the professor. Yes, for goodness sake, do, urged Rector. Stacy is bound to disgrace us. That would be impossible in some cases, retorted the fat boy sarcastically. Come on, Chunky, called Tad. We'll see what we can do for you. Tad fixed Stacy out with a white tie and assisted him to arrange it, after which Stacy once more placed himself on exhibition, this time meeting the approval of his critical companions though his face was redder than before, and the collar seemed to draw more tightly about his neck than ever. "'We will now proceed,' announced the professor gravely. "'And be very careful that you don't fall down, Chunky,' warned Tad. "'I don't intend to fall down. But why shouldn't I fall down if I want to?' demanded Stacy. "'That collar might cut your head off,' replied Tad soberly. 
"'Then for goodness sake fall down,' grunted Ned Rector. "'I reckon I shall be the one to cut a dash instead of cutting my head off,' retorted the fat boy pompously. "'As I said before, you fellows are jealous. You're mad because you didn't think to bring along a white suit.' Stacy suddenly found himself standing alone in the parlor of the hotel, the others having already started down the stairs. He made haste to follow them, joining the party in the lobby where the major servant was waiting for them. They at once started out, Stacy the center of the admiring gaze of pretty much all of the colored population of Jackson. Stacy was elated, his companions amused. Major Clowney and his wife welcomed Professor Zeppelin and the boys to the hospitable southern home on the broad pillared veranda, which was large enough to admit a coach and four. The boys were then conducted into the drawing room, and Stacy Brown's feet nearly went out from under him the instant he stepped into the room. Following his hostess, Chunky followed a perilous track of rugs on a waxed floor. The fat boy's face was now redder than ever and the perspiration was streaking down his cheeks and getting into his eyes through his strenuous efforts to keep his feet on the floor. There were Millicent, Muriel, and Mary of the daughters, Millicent being the eldest, each sweet-voiced, soft-spoken, each possessing a refinement and charm that the Pony Rider boys never had met with among the young folks at home. Mrs. Clowney's gentle manners reminded Tad Butler of his mother, and he told her as much on their way to the house. The professor was first introduced to the young ladies. Stacy's turn came next. He did not dare make his best bow, for at the slightest movement his feet would slip on the insecure rug beneath them. As a result his bows were stiff affairs, nor could he bend his head to any great extent on account of the high choker collar. The other boys were keenly alive to Chunky's distress, and they took a malicious pleasure in it. While the others were being introduced, Stacy, with great difficulty, navigated himself to a chair, to the back of which he anchored, with both hands gripping it firmly. "'What's the matter, Stacy?' whispered Tad, as he strolled past his fat companion. "'I... I forgot my roller skates,' mumbled Stacy. "'How am I ever going to get anywhere on this skating rink?' "'Take short steps,' advised Tad. "'Long strides will finish you.' Chunky adopted the suggestion with the result that he managed to move about the room with more or less dignity. But his undoing came when Miss Millicent took his arm as the family and guests moved toward the dining room. Chunky forgot himself in the enthusiasm of the moment, and all at once his feet shot up into the air. "'Oh, wow!' moaned the fat boy as he sat down on the floor with such force as to set the chandeliers jingling, nearly pulling Miss Millicent down with him. Had Stacy not had the presence of mind instantly to disengage his arm from hers, the young woman surely would have sat down on the floor beside him. To their credit, be it said that the other boys never smiled. They were too well-bred for that. Neither did Chunky smile, but for an entirely different reason. As he scrambled to his feet, making a further exhibition of himself in the effort, a red ring might have been observed about his neck, where the collar had pressed into the boy's full neck. Major Clowney and Mrs. Clowney were all consideration for the hapless Pony Rider boy, the Major declaring that every rug in the room should be removed and a carpet put down in its place. 
He said it was criminal to have such a trap in the house. I do hope you didn't hurt yourself, said Miss Millicent sympathetically. Oh, not at all. I frequently sit down that way before dinner, answered the fat boy. Do you indeed, smiled the young woman. Oh, yes. You see, it gives me an appetite for dinner. It's great. You should try it. Of course, at first, you should go outside and sit down on the ground where it's soft. When you get used to that, you may try the floor. Miss Millicent laughed merrily. There was no resisting Stacy's drollery. Once more they took up their interrupted journey to the dining room, where the boys found themselves in charming surroundings. In spite of Stacy Brown's awkwardness, the clownies soon discovered that the Pony Rider boys were well worth knowing. The lads were self-possessed, and their experiences in the saddle in many parts of the country enabled them to talk interestingly. As usual, Stacy made most of the merriment, and every time the fat boy spoke a little wave of good-natured laughter rippled around the table. I fear, said Miss Millicent, in answer to Stacy's description of how he got an appetite, that I should prefer to fast. Oh, you wouldn't after you got used to the other way, the fat boy assured her. That is Stacy's way of apologizing for his appetite, Miss Clowney, said Ned across the table. No one need apologize for a healthy appetite, replied the Major promptly. The apology should come for the opposite reason. Chunky bowed his approval of the sentiment. That's what I always tell the boys, he said. Sleep out of doors all the time, and you'll get an appetite that'll be most annoying, he promised. Ahem, interrupted the professor. Major, did I understand you to say that you had procured a guide for us? Yes, yes, I have been enjoying our young friends to the extent that I forgot all about the business end. I have obtained the services of Bill Lilly as your guide. Is he a good one? asked Ned. The best in this part of the country. He knows the break as few other men. Another man, Pete Austin, otherwise known as Alligator Pete, was eager to get the job, but I consider him an unreliable man. There are stories abroad, not at all to the credit of Austin. But you may depend upon Lily in any and all circumstances. How far is the break from here? asked Ted. A day's ride will take you to it. You never have been in the break? No, sir. Then you have a new experience before you, Mr. Butler. Lily will meet you at your hotel at eight o'clock tomorrow morning, and you may start at once, though it would please me to have you remain with us longer. Perhaps we shall see you when we return from the break, said Tad. I should think that you young men would not want to go into that awful place, said Miss Millicent with a shudder. And pray, why not? questioned Tad. It is such a horrible place. Oh, you don't know us fellows, interjected Stacy. We're used to horrible places. I reckon there aren't many such in this country that we haven't been in. What is there so horrible about this, this cane break? Snakes, lots of them, foul, deadly fellows, answered Miss Millicent. Ugh, exclaimed the fat boy, his eyes growing large alligators, wild animals, almost anything you might think of you'll find in the cane break, she added. Don't frighten the boys before they get into the break, begged the major. A grim smile curled the corners of Professor Zeppelin's lips. He was rather sensitive on the subject of timidity so far as his young friends were concerned. 
Major, I fear you do not know my boys. How so, Professor? They are unafraid. They are afraid of nothing. My life would be much easier if they were a little less so. Fine! Chivalrous, too, eh? Indeed, yes, nodded the professor. Yes, I have saved the lives of lots of folks, declared Stacy pompously. Do tell us about it, urged Miss Clowney. I couldn't think of it. I'm too modest to brag about myself. In the meantime, Tad Butler, the professor, and Major Clowney had become absorbed in the subject of big game, which the three were discussing learnedly. The hosts were amused at Stacy Brown, but they were irresistibly drawn to Tad, both because of his sunny disposition and the lad's keen mind, so unusual for one his age. The dinner came to an end all too soon to suit the Pony Rider boys, and the party moved towards the drawing-room. Stacy, seating Miss Millicent, strolled to one of the broad open windows which had been swung back against the wall on their hinges. The fat boy thought this window opened out into the veranda, so he stepped out for a breath of air, but his feet touched nothing more substantial than air. Stacy took a tumble into the side yard, landing on his head and shoulders. The young women of the family cried out in alarm when they saw the fat boy disappearing through the window. "'Are you hurt? Are you hurt?' cried the clownies, rushing to the window, the major leaping out with the agility of youth. "'Hurt?' piped a voice from the darkness. "'Certainly not. Just settling my dinner, that's all. I usually do this. Sometimes, when I'm out in the woods and there isn't a house to jump from, I just climb a tree after dinner and fall out. I think we'd better get Stacy home before he gets into more serious difficulty,' said Tad in a low tone to the professor. "'I agree with you, Tad. However, he has done his worst, I guess. Look at his coat.' It is ripped for six inches at the shoulder, groaned the professor. That must have been where he hit the side yard, smiled Tad, after quiet had been restored. After half an hour of pleasant conversation, during which the fat boy entertained Miss Millicent with stories of his prowess in mountain and on plain, the Pony Rider boys took their leave, voting the clownies the most pleasant people they had ever met. With this pleasant evening, their social amusement was at an end. On the morrow, they were to begin their rough life in the open again, and during their explorations in the canebrake, they were destined to have many thrilling experiences and some adventures, the like of which had never befallen any of the hardy Pony Rider boys. End of chapter 1